Welcome to Equestrian Movement's First Do No Harm podcast. I'm your host, Katie Boniface, co-founder of Equestrian Movement with Sarah Gallagher. We work with horse riders who want to build a stronger bond and a deeper connection with their horses. In our First Do No Harm podcast, we discuss with other industry professionals how to work with horses to firstly do no harm and secondly support their mental, emotional and physical well-being throughout the training process so that we have horses that enjoy learning and ask to be ridden. Each episode, we discuss the different influences our training can have and how we can improve our horses' overall athleticism, soundness of mind and body, and emotional fortitude, while strengthening and deepening our relationship with our horses. Each week, I will endeavor to bring to you a new episode on horse riding, training, handling and husbandry for an interview with other industry professionals to help you address where and why you might get stuck in creating the beautiful union of dancing souls that is the equestrian sport. Are you ready to kick off today's show? Let's get started. Hey team, Katie here from Equestrian Movement and today I wanted to talk about what is required of us when we're sensitizing our horses to our aids. So I guess we should probably start with what does it mean to sensitize our horse to our aids. We also might hear the term of tuning them in, getting them more responsive. So what we're looking at is how our horses are reacting to what we're asking them to do as we're asking them to do it. So there's lots of considerations to factor in for this one, especially when we start looking at riding. One of the biggest reasons for me um, advocating for a connection based groundwork exercises with your horses before you ride them is one of the biggest issues that the horses have once we are in the saddle is how they are going to respond to our intentional cues our intentional aids where we actually want them to respond and uh, how they can have the confidence to ignore our random movements and when we lose our balance and accidentally kick and jab them when we're riding them. So this is definitely something as a rider throughout my career learning to ride I never really thought about. It has a lot more impact on me when I am watching the school horses and how to improve their overall sensitivity and responsivity to the aids. One of the biggest reasons or one of the things that the horses have to learn to do is that, or especially our school horses with the way that we ride, is that if they aren't confident in how to answer the question or if they're not confident in what they're supposed to be doing, they can choose stop with relaxation. And so this means that we're not going to punish them for stopping. We're not going to push them through it. We're not going to make them do it, but we're going to hear the fact that they stopped and they chose relaxed as a way of them describing the fact that they don't know what the correct answer is. And this is a good thing because if they don't choose stop relax, then the tension will mount and then we'll get the behavioral issue that results in, you know, the rider falling off. Maybe the horse gets so anxious that it bolts or bucks or carries on or just gets overall frustration and confused. So on the ground, we can, you know, have the clarity of the conversation because we're not trying to also offset our own balance against the horse's balance. And we can see these cues from our horses where they don't understand and they're not um, sure on how to answer it or if they've just like tuned us out, blocked us out altogether. There's quite a few reasons why um, our horses would choose to become unresponsive to our aids some horses have just like a slower processing time and so we need to give them more space to respond to the cue 
and we need to make sure that they've received and interpreted it and agreed upon <laughs> giving us the answer that we're looking for before we put the next uh, input in there. A lot of the students get quite confident and find it quite easy to pick up the idea of what I call single AQs where we're looking for one behavior that we can mark and we can motivate and uh, that can be things like asking them to stop when you stop, asking them to pick their who's up, asking them to stand, where we're just looking for one behavior that we can mark and motivate. Where things get really uh, struggle, bleh, challenging <laughs> is when we get into the saddle and we're looking at, you know, stringing multiple cues together. So um, even just like riding around the arena can be multiple cues, but half halts and bend where we're putting two aids on and expecting to create a new word. There's these uh, different complexities of the language that become a lot harder to make sure that the horse understands how to answer correctly and make sure that we can be clear and intentional with the aids that we're using. So one of the things that I spend a lot of time on with myself and my students in perf perfecting is in that coordination process. We wanna get uh, the way that we're going to apply our aids organized to a level of where we don't have to think about it to apply it and then we're going to layer the next skill in on top of it. So a lot of the things that I'm working on to begin with when I'm first starting a rider is that strong, secure, stable lower leg because I don't want my riders to have to think about that again for the rest of their career basically. <laughs> if I can wire that in to be perfect in that first year of riding, then it means that we can move forward and progress on to more challenging tasks where they're looking at coordinating their legs for communication and yielding and then working on their seat where they can use their seat for calling the horse back into downward transitions and generally not requiring uh, to use their hands to balance because what can happen is we get rushed through this process especially with a lot of riding schools you know the um, the business model for it to be financially stable is in the groups so you know, you might get like one or two beginner lessons and then you're put into a group and as soon as you know how to go up and down, then they're quite happy to just leave you at that. But what happens is that you learn kind of a place of balance where you're not actually balanced because you haven't been taught how to use your leg properly and keep your leg underneath you. You don't have the strength even, you know, for the first three months. It really is taking that six months to get the strength to hold and to reposition the leg back underneath them when the balance is lost. So in this process of wiring, you know, the legs in to be in that place that's required of them, we're creating muscle memory. It's called myelination of the neural pathways. We're creating like a super highway from the brain to that part of the body to coordinate it without thinking about it. And so once we can develop that super highway, so it takes six to eight weeks or a thousand repetitions to myelinate that neural network. Uh, once we've got that, then we've got our muscle memory and we don't have to think about it again. And so that's why, you know, students that I've taught 15 years ago where I've corrected or started their lower leg can come back to me and their leg is in exactly the same place. Is because we, you know, set up that neural pathway that that is how they coordinated their body. And so unconsciously their body is responding to that and they no longer have to work on it anymore. Of course, 
if you have periods of time out of work or whatever, you know, you're going to lose the strength of the muscles supporting that area. But the uptick again is very quick because then you're just strengthening a pathway that's already established instead of trying to rewire a process that has been wired initially for you to not be able to find balance on the horse and therefore, you know, resulting in not having an independent seat when you're on their back and balancing on their mouth being unclear in their, in your aids. So then when it comes to sensitizing and tuning the horse into you, you then have to think about how you're intentionally using your body to create language with the horse where you want your horse to respond to you versus, you know, how much are you doing that you're actually trying to get your horse to ignore? So if you think about like, let's take your stirrups away, let's go bareback, let's go into a trot canner, you know, you're bouncing all around left, right, left, right, and your leg is coming on to catch yourself from falling off the side of the horse. But you don't want your horse to listen to that because you're desperately trying to stay on. And if they listen to your leg as go faster, they're going to go faster and it's going to be harder for you to stay on. So there's so many of these, you know, that's a really exaggerated example, but there are so many times when the horses are working for us where we're unintentionally cueing them and we need and want them to be able to differentiate between uh, things that we're doing to them that is a result of our lack of balance that we're trying to correct versus you know an intentional conversation that we're trying to have with them and so for that even like each time we get a new aid that we want to apply we have to spend some time coordinating it and this is why as riders we can get frustrated or feel stuck is either because we blew through uh, the time frame that we needed to you know create to spend time focusing on this balance so now more often than not we're just trying to balance ourselves instead of communicate to the horse or you know we've done the work we've got our balance we've got you know that clarity and that communication we're still going to need to spend some time doing the slow work where we're focusing purely on um, effective coordination in our own body and guess what you gotta do it both ways (laughs) so it's quite uh, easy to see where one people you know will naturally pick up a coordination one way and then the other way they really struggle with that coordination but they're sick of doing the slow work and they're getting bored and so they want to go faster and then that's how we end up blowing through you know correct uh, wiring and application because now we're going to just go into our own our body's own default of how it's going to respond to this instead of being intentional about how we're going to set our body up so it's frustrating we get stuck on this one thing that we're desperately <laughs> trying to coordinate and we don't feel like we're making any progress and we don't feel like our horse is improving but that's that's the work you've got to spend time repeating things within your body you got to get that repetition into your body nobody enjoys drills like just add something fun to your practice like there's so many different ways that you can set up a little lesson plan exercise for you to practice these annoying boring coordination drills From the get-go, all of my students are practicing doing cones from their legs without the reins and practicing, you know, riding the halt from their seat without pulling the reins. Because the thing is, if you don't do it now, when are you going to do it? You can have all of these high hopes and dreams of cantering through the paddock, bridalists, 
uh, cantering along the beach, you know, doing over a meter show jumps and going hacking out on trails. If you don't spend time building in your capacity to coordinate communication to your horse, you are inevitably going to get stuck and plateau at the limit of your capacity to coordinate your body. And so this is, again, why we want to have, you know, the communication really solid on the ground because I can guarantee when you hop on the saddle and you're working purely on trying to get your horse to stop from your seat and move from your legs, initially you're not going to get a response. One, because the horse knows that you're practicing on them. And so the horses don't do well when we practice our pressure release tools on them, practice our negative reinforcement tools on them. We have to get the hang of using that word as a word to ask them to do something, not just as um, you know, a way of practicing our coordination of it. They know that we're not actually telling them to do something when we're practicing that coordination. And they feel us practicing coordination on them all the time. So, you know, if you're going for a trot and you've lost your balance and you're practicing regaining your balance or practicing getting up into your two-point seat and holding it and losing it, we expect them to tune out and ignore us doing all of these wiggles. How do they tell the difference between when we're practicing applying ourselves to them and when we're actually asking them to do something? There is a subtle but different way of how we use ourselves when we're in communication with the horse asking them to do something versus when we're repeating something because we're trying to practice the coordination of it in our own body so super super simple way tongue twister with the s's a super simple way that i like to you know communicate to the horse that i'm asking them to actually do something and i would like their attention is i'll give a little as i do it so if I add a to it, then it means that it's a cue that I would like them to respond to. Uh, and I always start with just the cue as well. So initially, you know, I might ask them to do something and realize that they're not really connected to me. They don't really have that focus and attention to me. So then I'll do a little, hey, like I'm talking to you. Could you please respond to me? And then you can call their attention onto you. And that is another thing that we're working on in our holistic horse handling groundwork through our program is like, how are you going to call your horse's focus and attention onto you? Your horse's mind will wander just as our mind will wander. It is a primitive skill set of the brain to wander because that's how it orients its environment and stays kind of in a neutral place of scanning the environment for threat so that then when something can call call its attention then we're then going to go into like threat perceiving was that a threat no i'm fine and then we can go back to felt sense of safety so when we're working with our horses inevitably both ourselves and our horse's mind will wonder how are you going to call your horses focus onto you and then how are you going to hold it for that conversation and then the mind is like a muscle we have to practice flexing it to build its strength so part of our training process and again why we're doing our groundwork skills again what we're doing in our holistic horse handling program is we're building the strength of the mind to hold focus and attention for a period of time without practicing that without training that it's not going to be able to do it 
and so that in itself is its own skill set that we need to be working on uh, there are a lot of horses that I meet and you can tell that the rider um, you know maybe doesn't work with their horse for uh, very often or only does short periods of work with them because they'll only hold their attention for 20 minutes and so the skill is to develop the horse's capacity to hold their focus and attention for a longer period of time. So if you can think about yourself, if you're doing something that you're not intrinsically motivated to do, so you're not in feeling inspired and lit up inside to do, and you're like forcing yourself to do it, might be you know, doing the dishes. I don't know how often you guys hear how much I hate doing the dishes on this podcast. <laughs> it's definitely one of the chores in my life that I'm not lit up to do. Uh, it might be, you know, feeding the horses on a rainy day. It might be the poo pick. When, you know, how much effort does it take to recruit the effort to actually apply yourself to what you're doing to that task at hand you know in that period of procrastination quite often we spend more time and effort just procrastinating than if we had have got in and done it in the first place so that is what we're talking about with congruence is that you know is your mind ready and applying itself to the task at hand or are you finding that internal conflict to the task and so fighting yourself into doing it that when quite often once we get into it then it gets easier and we kind of like lose time a little bit in it and that's when we're applying ourselves to task and we can do that for as long as we're used to kind of doing that task for so for me I I, when I used to teach at people's places I would all of my lessons were an hour long and then I'd leave and I'd go to the next lesson when I went and worked at a health food store after that uh, every hour I was like checking the clock because my mind was used to just you know focusing for that hour and then moving on to the next task and then refocusing so the way that we pull our attention and our focus and our effort into the task is its own spending of effort that we have to train and then how long we can hold our mind on that task for is its own training it's its own level of education and strength of the mind and then when the horse falls out of it the first time they fall out of it that's when we tend to see you know the behavioral issues where the horse is saying no or they're resisting or they're like arguing or just like really distractible and we can't get them to focus and then we pull them back in the second time we pull them into focus it's harder than the first time and the length of time we can hold their focus for is shorter than the first time when we lose it we lose um, them a lot more so they get a lot more like dysregulated in their behavior and then it's harder again to pull them back into that level of focus and attention so it is its own training and that's why we have one of our holistic horse handling rules of three repetitions change direction feel finish on a positive note feeling like you could have done more because you're going to stop before the horse has lost capacity to cooperate hold focus and hold their attention whereas if you you know get a couple of your horse's best efforts and you're like oh my god this feels amazing I want to keep going let's do one more then your horse has like spent its effort it's given you its best effort and it wants a break at the very least if not an end of session And when we keep going through that, that's when we're going to lose our horse's 
um, you know, focus and attention and that quality of connection because they've tried so hard and now they we've lost it. And to be fair, it's quite often where we fall off as well is because the horses start to get grumpy because they tried so hard and, and we're still asking them to do to do the hard things. So we finish on a positive note, feeling like we could have done more so that we can stop. Otherwise, we have to re-engage them in the work, re-engage their focus and attention so that we can finish on a positive note. And then, you know, what will happen is my students will re-engage their focus and attention and they'll be like, oh, they feel really good again. I want to keep going. (laughs) You know, the horse can only hold its attention now for a shorter period of time with less effort because it's more mentally and physically fatigued. So sensitizing your horse is not about just the escalation of pressure. It's the structuring of your training process. It's the quality and your ability to negotiate being unbalanced and not using your body on your horse and then being intentional with how you're using your body so that your horse understands you're trying to communicate something. And it's how you're going to call your horse's focus and attention onto you how are you going to hold it? What are you going to give them a break for? How often are you going to give them a break? How many efforts are you going to ask for before you finish the session altogether? And all of those come together to improve your horse's overall responsivity and their engagement in training because they understand that there's a process to it. They're getting something from it. We're showing them that fair exchange rate, that fair reciprocity for their effort. What are we giving them? And just having some grace around how difficult the whole thing is is you know it's hard for them it's hard for us and we're all just kind of flopping around together hoping for the best (laughs) so you know have some uh, appreciation for your horse's ability to tolerate you flopping around on them have some uh, appreciation for yourself for giving it your best effort and having a good time doing it because we're not out here to win sheep stations we're out here to love our horses and to enjoy being with them they bring us so much richness to our lives it's okay to give them some space to process the hard things let us know what your favorite little tip from today's episode has been tag us over on instagram and share it with us we love what your aha moments are listening to what we're talking about until next time happy trails if you're loving what you're learning in the podcast you've got to come check out the arena classroom The Arena Classroom is our community for all things training for connection, where we delve into exercises to build our horse's trainability, process emotion, and build emotional resilience. It's where you can get individual help applying our tools like consent, communication, confidence through curiosity, connection, and so much more. It's where you learn a level of communication and connection that will blow your mind and other trainers will tell you it's not possible. It is a safe community where you can learn training tools not shared on the podcast that will open up that connection and will further build your confidence in you and your horse's potential so that you can stop doubting that you're good enough for your horse and questioning if you're doing the right thing. It's where you can come hang out and connect with other first do no harm trainers just like you and me. It's my favorite place on earth and it will revolutionize what you believe to be possible with your horse. I guarantee it. Come join us at www.equestriummovement.com forward slash the arena classroom.